0: this hypothesis of like, why does it suck to build stuff? Like, why, why does it take so long? Why are there so many things to learn? Like, I wanna deal with logic, I wanna deal with data, but like, what, what is this layer upon layer upon layer of nonsense that I need to go through to like get something out there and have it work? Want
1: to know how the world's smartest engineers are proving their dev team's connection to the business bottom line? Or how they keep a lead cycle time while minimizing dev burnout and maximizing retention? These are just two of the topics leaders from Slack, Shopify, and Stripe will tackle at Interact on October 25th. A free, virtual, community-driven engineering leadership conference. Interact is a one-day event with more than 25 of the most respected minds in software engineering, all selected by the thousands of engineering leaders in the Dev Interrupted community. If you are a developer, team lead, VP, or CTO looking to improve your team, this is the conference for you. Go to devinterrupted.com/interact to register free today. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Dev
2: Interrupted. I'm your host Dan Lines and today I'm joined by Tanmine Gopal, CEO and co-founder at Hasura. Tanmai, welcome to
0: the show. Hey, hey Dan, hey everybody. Thanks for having me.
2: Awesome to have you here. Now we have a I think we have a really cool show today. A lot of people are probably aware, but there's a transition happening in the software industry right now. Over the last decade, it was kind of about figuring out how to handle infrastructure, the infrastructure side of things, ops side of things, a lot of DevOps stuff. And now what a lot of people are talking about is productivity, the toil that's come upon developers. Potentially, that's what the next decade will be about. Things like what helps teams to move faster, how can we help developer productivity, and a lot of that kind of stuff is underway, which is, it's a concept that me and my team at Linear B talk about all the time, so I'm really excited for this conversation, but before we dive into it, you've had a really cool career, and now you're a CEO and co-founder, so can you tell us a little bit about your career you know, how you made it to where you are today and what you're doing sure. with your current company.
0: For sure, for sure. Uh, I think, you know, when I studied computer science in, in, in university uh, and I did my bachelor's and master's and, and I remember while I, was, while I was studying, I was inclined to kind of go into research and I, in fact, specialized in computer vision, machine learning kind of stuff that I, that I did then. And, and kind of while I was doing that, I felt a little bit dissatisfied with, with kind of where we are with technology and development. And I was like, man, the amount of impact that we can have with technology, just fixing stuff, right? Big things, small things, it can be so much more. And it's just like, it, it seems hard and complicated to do things. And so what I did after university was, I I I became kind of a freelance consultant. And I said, I'm just gonna work with all kinds of people. I'm gonna work with research labs and industry, like companies, I'm gonna work with startups, I'll work with like old school companies making their first digital product, right? I wanna see, I wanna see what's up. And I spent the first few years doing that and and and, and gradually kind of built you know, met my co-founder, built life out, built a consulting business. And what we started doing at the time was we started kind of picking up some of the latest kind of technologies we were i think pre like docker hitting 1.0 kubernetes hitting 1.0 we were i, I don't know if folks remember like uh, in the container ecosystem it wasn't clear are we going to put multiple processes in the same container or not because like og containers with like lxc stuff you can you can do whatever you want right it's just like a you can run as many processes as you want and whatnot but like with the way that we run docker for example we have like a one process one container model and then it wasn't clear all kinds of like crazy things people were doing to get multiple containers to run, and then Kubernetes came along, and we were in that in that ecosystem. We were contributing, and and as we were kind of observing these transitions happen and working with companies, right, we were kind of like fine tuning this this hypothesis of like why does it suck to build stuff, like why. Why does it take so long? Why are there so many things to learn? Like, I want to deal with logic, I want to deal with data, but like, what what is this layer upon layer upon layer of nonsense that I need to go through to like get something out there and have it work? And when we kind of took a step back and we did multiple different things, uh, we built lots of different tools. One of the things that we kind of realized was with just the way that the industry is going, that big unlock to productivity. Because ops is getting figured out, like you just said, databases are getting better. I think front-end stacks are more complicated but getting better. You know, like it's like it's like this. It'll it'll happen. Like it, it evolves. It's, it's getting it, it evolves, evolves exactly right. It has to go through that layer of like explosion to like yeah. become better. But it's right? not. That, it's great.
2: not in a terrible shape. I think. I think it's, it's not a really at all, good shape.
0: So yeah, and I think it's awesome. Right. It's like I, I yeah. people get people get angry about like oh there's a new JavaScript framework every day. I'm like man, listen. Do you have one chair? Like one chair for every room? No, you don't, right? Like you have a different chair for when you want to be comfortable, when you want to sleep, when you want to watch TV, when you want to read a book. That's what JavaScript frameworks are like. It's like, what kind of product do you have? You have the best framework, right? And in this whole space, we were like the big bottleneck, the big kind of irritating piece is data access. All of these amazing people and developers want to build cool products, but they can only do that if they're able to interact with centralized data safely and and without requiring the unnecessary expertise that's required to interact with data how do we bridge that and so that's kind of where 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 the idea for Hasro was born where we said we're going to automate this layer in the middle we're going to say no to like undifferentiated api development we're going to have people focus on centralized data and logic we're going to have people focused on building products and services at the edge let them go do that let those ecosystems evolve Let's get this middle piece like automated. And so we built that initial version out. We realized we got very productive with it. We shut down our consulting firm. A bunch of us came out. We started Hustura, we raised VC. We, uh, we open sourced it in 2018, uh, became really popular with developers. And, and, and here we are, right? Started like, had the commercial project, then a uh, managed cloud service on top that we launched uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and that, that kind of brings us to today, about like, like 120, 130 people all across the globe. I think we're, I think we have people in every continent except for Antarctica. So uh, you know, good, good spread. All of the joys, <laughs> all of the—I mean was going
2: world. on in Antarctica. That's here. A lot of weird true. stuff could be going <laughs> on down there. <laughs> no, that—that's a real. Yeah, uh, that's a cool story. And I've ha- I have heard from a few people. You know, like the data access layer stuff with databases. Like this is a area that needs some love and needs to evolve. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, you pick the, the right spot. One of the things for, for our listeners, and I love that you got, you, you started out with a computer science degree and background, like that's what a lot of our listeners have as well. And some of them are asking themselves, how do I become a CEO someday? Or how do I start, you know, my own thing? Is there anything that clicked for you or like a special moment or any advice you could give of like. Yeah, I was a developer, I had an idea and then something ha- happened and I can be a CEO.
0: Is there anything that happened for you there? So, I think it was driven less by the desire to from a, to be a CEO or a founder and it was more about the desire to like have an idea in the world, right? It's like maybe it's like the, like a few hundred years ago in like this inventor feeling. Right, it's like ah, I invented some shit, and like now it's out there, right? That 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 feeling. I think it was. I think it was all driven by that. My advice would be, I think, like three three things. One is, make sure you're in a, you you you're in a position where, to a certain degree, to whatever degree you're comfortable with, the basics around you are sorted out. Right, you have a place to stay, you have food to eat you have a support system, whether it's friends, family, whether it's cash in the bank, whatever it is, right? You have a base, right? And and that base allows you to be obsessive with your time. Like it allows you to be chaotic with the way that you want to spend your time. Like that's what that base should let you do, right? right? Be very experimental and do things that don't make sense and do things that make sense or whatever. So, so one is that. The, the second is you, you want to focus on if you feel that this thing ought to exist and ought to be done, that's the energy you want to tap into, and then lean into that to just make it happen, and 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 things will move from there. But that's like the starting point. the The third thing is you've got to be smart about it. It's, you've got to have a weird combination of, I think, being being very smart and reactive, but also being really stubborn, right? So. There is, there is a core belief that you have about why your idea or work or product or service or anything that you're doing needs to exist, right? You want to you want to keep refining that belief and make sure that that belief is real. But the way that you, you exercise that belief, right? The way that that belief becomes a product or a service or a specific feature set and whatnot, you want to be really flexible and reactive and open to listening, right? So, so so you, you want to be stubborn about this thing, right? But, but, but you want to keep learning. Because if you stop learning, then, I mean, it's not possible that you know everything on day one. You're, you're not going to have the perfect idea on day one. You're not even going to have the perfect idea after product market fit. Because after product market fit, you have to scale it, right? After you scale it, you're still not done. Because now you're going to have multiple product lines and maybe it's going to become a bigger company, right? It's never done. it's always just learning and making sure that you're still sticking to that belief in one way. Right. So, so those are, I think like the three things, right? Strong base, like lean into like desire to create a thing and then combination of like belief and being like flexible.
2: Does that, does that make sense? I love it. It makes sense. I think we can just end the podcast now. That's it. (laughs) That's all. Just take that away. No, I, and I really like it. I like the last one a lot. And you'll only learn the last one once you get into it. But um, yeah, you kind of come out with your original mission that you're fired up for and you think you have an amazing idea. That mission is going to mold the statement. It, does, it doesn't It does mean that you're, I mean, sometimes you pivot, but like, it doesn't mean that you're pivoting. You're kind of just molding that mission as you're learning. And that's, you know, that's a exactly. wonderful,
0: exactly. wonderful exactly. advice. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. That's yeah. Cool. And, 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 you know, you stop thinking about things as pivots. Like, pivots are not don't matter to you, right? It's like, those are words that, like, people use from the outside to understand your journey. But you don't think yeah. of your journey that way. You're like, yeah, whatever. Pivot, pivot doesn't matter, right? I, this is what I need to do. I'm going to figure out the best way to do it. That's it. Yeah.
2: Excellent. I'll move us into our first topic. So thanks, you know, so much for sharing that. You've said something like, you know, a quote, in terms of development, the last decade was spent figuring out operations. The next 10 years is about figuring out features and productivity,
0: which is kind of what we opened with. But can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I think the last the last 10 years of what we've seen, and you know, obviously like, like last 10 years, next 10 years are all like, these are all like fuzzy numbers, right? But just to anchor our thought process, if you think about the last 10 years, it's, a lot of it has been figuring out, are we really deploying to the cloud? Cool. Like for a bunch of us, on, on newer developers, we were born on the cloud. That's fine. But a lot of a lot of other folks were still like, are we going to put data on the cloud? Okay, yes, we are going to put data on the cloud. Okay, cool. If we're going to run everything on the cloud, who's going to operate stuff? How are we going to operate it? Like, you know, with the, the traditional ways of like operating infrastructure don't work. So who's going to take responsibility for what, right? And the entire point of being on the cloud is that we, don't need operations in the same way that we had before, right? So, are we going to do Kubernetes? Are we going to do like are we going to do EC2 VM type things? Are we going to do containers? Are we going to do Kubernetes? Are we going to do serverless functions? We've now kind of we've kind of realized what the sweet spots are. We're like, okay, cool, yes, containers make sense, but nobody wants to manage containers. How are we going to manage those containers? Right? Like, who's going to take like these these decisions have gotten made and we've kind of leaned into it, settled into it we've like yep ci cd is a whole thing devops is a whole thing it's really fought for velocity like we've understood those interface points between developers devops operations that's become clear uh, the way that we're thinking about our infrastructure the way that we want elasticity the fact that we want things to be consumption based like that's it's those bits have gotten figured out but all of those bits are essentially an implementation detail to actually building a thing to actually building a product or building a service or building an API that was actually providing business value, right? Uh, And all of this was in service to that implementation This decade now, we get to start focusing on basically saying what matters is actually building that. Now, it's it's an increased level playing field for everybody in terms of the operation capability, especially because of consumption-based pricing. Building anything is as accessible to Anybody, it doesn't matter what your initial budget is almost, right? I mean, of course it does, but like it sort of doesn't because it wasn't possible a decade ago to build a simple API that says, you know, sums two integers and gives you the sum, right? And an API endpoint that just does that. You send it, you send it two numbers, it sends you a response and you scale it to a million users. You couldn't have done that. You couldn't have done that a decade ago. You you couldn't have just like written two lines of code and have that work for millions of people, but you can't today, right? So that kind of, and you can today in a way that your pricing scales up too, right? Everybody's kind of leaning into that idea of consumption-based pricing. So so as that level playing, as that, as that playing field for, for building products and for operationalizing product has become more level for everybody, what now everybody's thinking about or has to think about is how quickly are we building a product that's actually valuable and useful to our customers, right? Like how do we get to market really fast? How do we ensure that we're iterating with our uh, consumer base as quickly as possible? That's where all the focus is, right? Because that's where business is. That's where business value is. That's how you want to capture people. Look at what happened with Netflix and Disney recently, right? We all thought like, okay, Netflix has nailed it. They did so much amazing infrastructure, Netflix, AWS, everything, right? It's cool. They've done amazing work in the open source community. They keep doing it. Disney, you don't even hear about, right? Like, what is Disney's latest open source project that is like... A big deal. It's not. Guess who has the most number of subscribers in the world? Disney, right? <clears throat> like a bunch of the op stuff figured out. Now it's about best content, right? That became the streaming wars. This is happening across the globe. So now everybody's just thinking about how do I get my dev teams to be productive if we're building, if we're, if we're depending on technology to provide value to our users? What tools do I need? How do I get them to be educated? How do I get them to uh, be able to kind of design as quickly as possible? How do I get them to collaborate as effectively as possible, right? And and the rise of tools that we see, if we're in kind of the front-end ecosystem, you'd see Vercel and Netlify, right? It's very interesting. Like a whole bunch of us who are using tools like this, we love using tools like that. But sometimes you look at Hacker News and you're like, people talk about Vercel and Netlify and everybody's like, yeah, what's new? Nothing's new. There's not... not no, no, great, no, no new shit happened. It's all the same, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I can, I can, I can do what WordSell is doing on my own box on a VM and on my own server and it's cheaper. No, that's not the point. The point is that we made a whole bunch of developers independent. We let them independently control the destiny of their product by deploying and changing and iterating and scaling the way they want to with their product, with that kind of thicker edge change that has happened, right? That's just one example. So all of these. All of our focus is kind of becoming more about productivity. And and I think that's reached a stage this decade where it's bubbled up to engineering leaders and budget owners, right? Engineering leaders are now like, yep, I need to have a budget for dev productivity, right? That 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 is a thing now. Like, that's a thing that maybe I didn't care about earlier. I just hired engineers. Now I don't. Now I need to, like, think about productivity tooling. Like, it's a whole category of, like, my budget that I think about.
2: Absolutely. I love your example of Netflix and uh, Disney. That's like so true. And it's funny because I recently actually went back and read the Agile Manifesto. So I checked it. So if we, one thing I've learned in life is everything goes in cycles or everything moves in a circle. So if you go back and read the, the Agile Manifesto, what they're basically saying is like, we don't like the way that features are being developed. That's what they were kind of saying, like our output feature wise. And I started when I started being a developer, it was more like right when that was coming out. So I didn't work in waterfall, but it was like the beginning. So it was like, hey, we don't like our feature productivity. We built something for a year and then we're told our feature sucks. And now we have to. So that's what it's about. So that was like before DevOps, then DevOps came and it was like, OK. We want to build features faster, more iteratively. We don't have the tooling to support that. So now there's like the DevOps era. Now we're back again. Yep. Now we're back to okay. Let's go back to what we call productivity, feature productivity, yep. developer productivity. Yep. We have the infrastructure to yep. move super fast. Yep, and that and, and and that's the era that we're in again today. Yep, exactly, um, exactly. And you're totally you're totally right because I see it at at Linear B all the time engineering leaders are being asked about efficiency, especially with some of the economic downturn right now. Efficiency. We call it developer experience. I have a budget for efficiency. How productive is everybody? Is there any, what are the current bottlenecks or a little bit like the data at Linear B? You, you know what it says, actually? It says two things. Everyone can deploy to production really, really well now. Mm-hmm. Most teams. I mean, if Connect. you're like, Connect. you know, modern, Connect. like deployment, we're good. And it actually also says there's pretty good efficiency in coding time. Like it's, there's tons of tools that help develop. There's like tools out there that will tell developers yep. what's the next line of code you should probably write. Yep. Actually, the middle, the middle area we're struggling a little bit, that's actually the era, area of, uh, I have a change that I'm offering to the mm-hmm. team. Can someone review mm-hmm. and accept it? Mm-hmm. So we're we're struggling mm-hmm. there, but um, yeah, I think you're you're totally right. This is we are entered the era of productivity, feature yep. productivity, happy customers.
0: Yep. It's a good place to. It's be. An amazing. That's it's great. a good place to be for consumers, right? They're like, yes, finally, yeah, These, like people are going to get off their butts and build useful shit for me. Thank you, right? So uh, everybody is yeah. happy.
2: So if this decade is all about, let's say that it's about more of the feature side. Yep. Oh, and I have like a, another example because like in, in our product today, we have all the data about your development pipeline. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. where where are things efficient? You know, like I said, coding time, PR. But the other thing that we've added over the last year or so really well is back to are your features being shipped? Yep. <laughs> Are they being shipped yep. on time and like combining yep. those two together? That's what everybody yep. wants. Right. It's like a, another example. But OK, let's, so let's say that in, in long terms, like the next 10 years about feature productivity, developers are ones that create features. What do you think is the changes that are happening to support this new era? Is it, you know, I don't know, just give like more full stack developers, more people that are focused on product, other stuff, like what comes to mind to you? I think
0: it's, I think it's mostly the, it's mostly a change in, like, it's the change, it's the change in expectation that's driving everything, right? It's like the change in expectation, which is like, well, we need to build a good product and we need to build it quickly. That's what's, that's the most important thing. So that's the expectation change that expectation changes like powered by the fact that we've gotten our infrastructure operations cloud scaling database stuff like figured out that is now kind mm-hmm. of then that, that is kind of now i think incentivizing and increasing what i want to call i wish i had a word for it i want to call it like edge developer or product engineer right these are developers and engineers that they they, they wear two hats they understand how to build a good product And they understand how to assimilate input from the product side, from users and from product, really, really well. And they're able to translate that into their side, their part of the stack that makes them productive. Like they they have, which they have end-to-end control on. So that's that's typically the edge, right? Whether it's like building a few serverless functions, it's like building applications or whatever it is, right? They control that piece. They're able to map what the product needs into what work needs to be done on the edge to kind of deliver, right? And so like full stack, when we're when we saying full stack, we're saying product engineers, we're saying edge developers. I think it's like, that's kind of the increasing thing. And the third is of course that this is a far more accessible method of software engineering, right? Like one of the things that I hate about, that I hate about like the ecosystem that we're in is that there's a lot of elitism sometimes, right? There's a lot of like, Oh, you're a front end developer. <laughs> like, you know, like that that, that there's this sometimes there's a latent attitude of that, right? It's like <laughs> it's like no, no, it doesn't matter. Like you are an implementation detail to the front end developer that's actually providing value, right? Like like all of all of all of the back end experts or whatever, right? Like no, you're useless. You're all just implementation detail to that person to ship, right? And I and I think like I think I was a front end developer. <laughs> right. And I d I don't know Back I don't know day, I don't yeah. know if you face that. I think it's actually changed so a lot. Funny. But like it was there, right? Like, it was there and sometimes I still see and I feel like punching people when I when I see their attitude. I'm like, no, right? Like there's a value. That's that's like 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 that's what we need. I loved it to be honest. Yeah, no, of course I I I I, I I
2: I felt like I was like a uh, product owner. Exactly. Is what I was exactly and because I was the one that could say like, Hey, this is yeah. weird. I'm gonna do it this yep. other way. Like I knew yes. the customer. Yes. So it and, was great. And now today, we're <laughs>
0: finally at that point where you now actually have all the tools to control your destiny yourself. You're not blocked on anybody, right? If you have access to data and it's secure and it's performant and you have access to the edge stuff, you're done. There's no performance and security like impact that that can be negative from what you're doing. So you're just like, cool, let me just go ahead and do what's best for the customer, right? That's where most of our value is. And I think like that, the change in the ecosystem that we're in now also is that this has made software engineering a lot more accessible, like building products more accessible. So now a lot more people can build products because they're like, cool, I don't have to like know nonsensical stuff to get work done. I need to know tech to get work done. And I need to know what work needs to be done. Like I need to understand the user. I need to build a good product. That's what I need to understand. And that's like, I think that's more real. Like, that's more real, right? And that allows us to like. I'm hoping that we move from like I don't know, 30 million developers or something today. Like we get to hundreds of millions of developers yeah. by the end of the decade. That that would be amazing, right? Like that that would that would be what that would be an amazing world, right? Like everybody, like almost everybody, can just like write code and build products, and it's small or big or it's for their community, it's for their friends, it's for the, a small problem that they think needs to be solved, right? Whatever doesn't matter. That would be an amazing book.
2: Yeah. Right? That's a cool, cool concept. Because, I mean, if you, as you go back in time, backwards, the barrier to build something cool yep. was higher. So, like, being a software developer was like, I don't know, maybe like, yeah, I know how to be super performant. Yep. I know how to scale yeah. databases. Yep. I know how to write optimized yep. code. Yep. I, I know how to do, you know, write. And like that's all obviously important, but like as you're saying, some of that's getting abstracted away. Maybe 20, 30, 50 years from now, you wouldn't even call it that I'm a I'm a product builder or something, or I'm a product engineer. Like I have the best ideas and I can implement them because scaling thing, everyone can scale something. That's like a click of a button to scale something. It's more like who can help the most exactly. people or
0: who can solve the exactly. biggest problem. Right. And that's, um, and that's, that's best. That's what's good for the world. Right. We need people who spend time genuinely understanding each other, our, our problems and solving for it. That's what we want. Like, that's what we want. Right. that, that what, that's what makes the world better. Not yeah. like,
2: well, I think it goes back. I wanted to make a comment about your career. So again, like software deve- developers listening now and let's talk about your career. One advantage that you have to become the next coolest co-founder or CEO, since you're usually hands-on as a developer, that's what you do, you're also very hands-on with the problem set, meaning you experience maybe the problem. If you're going to create maybe a company like yours, I can feel the problem and now I can go solve the problem. Use that as an advantage Mm -hmm. for yourself because... Not everyone in the world gets to experience a, essentially problems yep. like you do. Um, so I just yep, want to encourage, yep, encourage that. So you mentioned an edge team. Let's just like take take a minute. You talk about centralized teams and edge teams. What's the difference, and how do they
0: work together? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's a it's a slightly controversial. It's a it's a slightly contrarian point of view. So. Imagine we did have the baggage of like the last 20, 30 years, right? A lot of the kind of way that we do development has been shaped by how the industry and technology evolved from the initial days of databases and applications, you know, whether it was Oracle or or DB2 or SQL Server and mainframes and like applications and desktop and then HTML, Java web services, then API services and then like this, this kind of like Jamstack kind of thing that we have today, right? It's like, it's all, it's, it's evolved. but imagine that it was just fresh today. Like just forget everything that we know about technology, like the legacy parts of technology. But like, if you want to build a banking application, you want to build a banking app and you're like, I want to build a mobile app. I have some money in my bank account. I want to click a button. I want that money to be transferred to somebody else in their bank account. Cool. What do I need? I need a, I have a mobile phone, gonna have an app experience here. Other people are gonna have an app experience, they're gonna look at their current balance, they're gonna find a person, a friend, and they're gonna pay them money. So I'm gonna store data about people, their balances, and their transactions. That's gonna be central. So I've centralized stuff and I have these applications, right? So what, what today stops me from doing exactly this? Why can't I just set up a database? Use, it, use, use, use a nice modern database. Use something like Postgres. It's super easy to use. A bunch of Postgres providers make it easy for you to scale. You don't have to think too much about it. It's super obvious. So you literally go into Postgres and you're like, users, ID, name, email, done. Right? Account, whatever, done. Transactions, from, to, date, done. Like, it, 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 your work is done. That's the data model. You have the application stuff here. Why can't these product developers just write against that database? Why do we have so many steps that we go through? Like, why do we have to start building an API that is then has an API gateway? The API has to talk to a database thing and I have to learn how to write, like, Node.js, JavaScript, Rails, PHP, Java, to figure out how to make it work with Redis, I have to figure out, like, a bunch of, like, I need expertise in 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 setting that up, right? And the way that it talks to the system and security, security. right? Like, yep. it's why why is this middle piece even there like my work is here on the product and i know i have some centralized data that needs to exist so so when i think when i think about the world like if 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 we want to get to that end state then the way i think about it is that this middle layer is solving only two genuine problems everything else is like us architecturally like taking one call and having one opinion and my opinion is better than your opinion, your opinion is better than my opinion kind of stands. But really, there's only two fundamental problems. The first is a bit of a physics problem, which is that there's a speed of light issue, which is that you have, and, and then like a query time issue, which is that if your centralized data is in the US and you have your users like in Antarctica, right? there's a latency time, there's a latency problem. And you you don't want that end user to suffer that latency. Right. So there's there's like there's, an, there's interventions that need to be done manually to help fix that. There is second, a second problem, which is that of security, which is that when you're building a product, you are working in a decentralized edge product, what I call the edge product. You're working in a security context that's different from a centralized security context. Because the context on the product side on the edge. Is a user's context, not the organization's context. So, because of that, you can't securely run some pieces of logic or interact with data directly. You, you, you can't just do like a select star from accounts and like insert something into transactions you, you, because you're in this context. So, the layer in the middle, all that this layer needs to do is to arbitrate that performance and security context. If we can arbitrate that performance and security context and make that automated, then we're back to the world where you build a product and you work on centralized data, right? So you work on centralized data and any centralized logic that needs to be central because of a security concern. This layer in the middle solves for all performance security problems. It has to have it's It solves for authorization. It solves performance. It's all for like Million concurrent requests hitting a database. Database is slow. Things need to be cached at the edge. Whatever. Like this middle thing has to automate that, and then you build product, right? So for me, it's like when I think about like really unlocking velocity, it's basically saying let's let's force the centralized tools to get better. The tools that give us centralized data. Let's force them to get better. Let's get more distributed databases. Let's make databases do more work for us, because databases are not. Database is supposed to be like help you convert your mental domain model into data. That's what a database is, right? A database is not a file. A file is a store of data, but a database is not a store of data. A database is supposed to be a store of your domain model. This is a very unpopular opinion. People don't like saying that domain models should be data models. People don't like saying that because they've been traumatized by 20 years of database not scaling. But actually, databases are supposed to store your domain models. Because otherwise, what's the point of a database? Otherwise, you chuck shit into a file. The reason why I create a user model is because I have a user domain model. I don't create a CSV file where I store random data, right? The database is supposed to get better at modeling the domain. That's why we have an explosion of new SQL databases, of graph databases, of time series databases, because what these databases are doing is they're modeling our domain better. So we want to make that part of the ecosystem better. We also want to make the product part of it better. And then this middle piece, we just want to automate, right? So that's like what I call like centralized, decentralized, and then connecting the middle, which is kind of the automation where like, where our work at Hussara, where like things like GraphQL, et cetera, become really helpful in becoming that middle layer. So, so that's how I think about like what the next big kind of unlock direction is. Am I Am I making sense? The lives of developers are about
1: to change for the better, and listeners of Dev Interrupted are getting early access. GitStream is the free, revolutionary tool that allows developers to focus more on the craft of code and less on things like toil, rework, and bottlenecks. When Linear B found that 50% of each development cycle was spent on PR idle time, we knew something had to change. We realized CICD alone wasn't enough. We need to shift even farther left to fix the PR process with continuous merge, and we're doing that with GitStream. With GitStream, we can solve the PR idle time problem, ship code faster, and make us all happier as developers. To get your early access at GitStream, dev-interrupted listeners can sign up at gitstream.cm. That's G-I-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot C-M.
2: Yeah, I thought you were going to tell me we should all focus on moving faster than the speed of light. I think we should all focus. That's, That's true. true. That's like
0: 2020, 2030. 20, <laughs> 20, 20, 2020, 20, 2030, you were figuring out productivity. If you're ready, 40, we're like, let's just go faster than the Let's just fix this.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I
2: totally understand your your perspective and it makes sense. Also, some of the traumas that people have experienced with databases. But, you know, we got to evolve and our last section here is around what we've been talking about, which is unlocking velocity. And I'm interested, you know, Mm -hmm. for your company, how do you apply some of the, so we've talked about like team setup. We talked about focusing on, you know, product more than just all these things that have been abstracted. Um, How does this like go into
0: the way that you work at? I think, I think we've, we've, started like thinking of the the way that we do development right we've it's it's changed the way that we think about the arithmetic of how expensive it is to create a feature or create a product uh, or to create a new product feature right it's creating new features is now a very cheap exercise so we can experiment very rapidly so that's and that's what we kind of think about i'll give you an example like we done our managed cloud service and you know that has to show like metrics and like monitoring and whatnot, right? And we want some features on that. This is now a uh, like building features around this, like when we built it out, was so fast. It was like a and and I'm talking about like we run we run like we run close to like a billion GraphQL calls per day to our cloud service, right? And it didn't even matter because all we did was we were capturing all this data about what's happening. We chucked that data into a centralized store and we knew that the centralized store would scale because thank you, modern databases. We stuck our API layer in front of it and then we just started building product. We were like, cool, what part of this metrics or inside information would be useful to somebody who's running this? What do they want to know? Do they want to know P99s, do they want to know aggregate values? Do they want alerting on this? So the, the way that we just think about like building is now let's just get the data in one place And then we're done. We're we're done. Like now we can just start building stuff. Like the engineering problem just becomes a problem of let's get the data to a place. And then after that, it's not really an engineering problem. It's like a product problem. Let's just build what needs to be built, right? Do we want to build out like a thing quickly? Do we want to build an experimentally? Do we want to have like a, whatever we need to do, whatever we need to learn from the user, right? And that has really kind of just changed the way that we think about shipping new features, the way we think about development, even at like at scale. Has it changed
2: the way that you've structured your engineering and product team? Or
0: are you kind of normal for I think, how it was I think in the it's past? Substantially, like we don't really have what we would call API developers. There's no API developers in the team. There's like there's data folks, whether they're building pipelines or they're setting databases, they're doing ops work, there's stuff like that. Right. And and then there's kind of like this edge, full stack edge team. That's it there's no like there's no middle tier of like uh of these yeah like
2: it kind of simplifies it too it Sim- yep. feels simpler and then you like when you're yep. interviewing and stuff it also kind of simplifies yep. it like are you yep. are you this type
0: are you like yep. going to build the product or are you going to exactly. help us flow right. data and then ex- exactly and what then you like do? you know even the orientations of people start to become very useful right because sometimes it's not about like just the skill of a software engineer it's like how well do you fit into the kind of team and the kind of company that needs to do a certain kind of work, right? So, especially being on the full stack side, you, you you you're able to kind of select for people who are oriented for like let's build product fast, let's learn, let's win or learn, right? It's not like a win or fail thing where we spend like six months or a year building something amazing and then it doesn't work, right? It's like more iterative. Like you're, you 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 get people who are more geared that way automatically. So that ends up being a very nice side effect too.
2: Yeah. Very cool! Wow, I've enjoyed this conversation. This is fun. I know that you have some type of community uh, meetup coming in November. Absolutely, tell Uh, us about that.
0: uh, We started uh, uh, what we call like an enterprise GraphQL conference. It's like a virtual conference slash meetup. It's like the mini conference. It's a day long. We we get speakers from various open source projects from folks who. Uh, are building with GraphQL in enterprise folks from the Hustler community. And and we kind of like, we run workshops and we have, uh, we have great kind of conversations with people, a uh, combination of panel discussions, the combination of tech talks. And, uh, and that's called the enterprise GraphQL conference. So if you just search for if you just Google for Hustler enterprise GraphQL, you'll see, you'll see a meetup that comes up. Would love to, would love to point folks to that to kind of learn a little more about GraphQL, especially in, especially doing like all of the things that we were talking about over the last few minutes about in a harsh environment of an enterprise. One of the stories that excites me the most is one of our users launched the world's number one telehealth app in six months by reorienting their teams this way. Uh, they, they disrupted like the incumbent number one from zero to nothing in six months just by thinking about it as like, oh, we've got the data of 20 million people. We're going to build the best application experience for this and bam. Right. So just learning kind of how 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 people are doing this, especially in harsh, quote unquote, harsh environments. Uh, would love to would love to have you folks there for a conversation. So uh, that's my that's my club.
2: Are you going in oh, person virtual. or virtual? Yep. Virtual. OK, cool. So, yeah, I mean, ev- everyone check out. I think you said the Enterprise yeah. GraphQL yep. conference you can uh, look at we will we'll include a link for that. Awesome. So yeah, everyone check that out. I also wanted to say thank you to the more than 3,000 of you who are now subscribed to our weekly interruption newsletter. We bring you articles from the community, inside information on weekly pods, and also another great conference, the first look at our Interact 3.0 conference on October 25th. If you haven't already been to Interact, totally awesome really recommend it ton of fun it's free also going to be online and you can register today and back to you tan my thank you so much for coming on the show thank
0: you Dan. it was great brother. it was uh, awesome kind of.